Welcome back to the Purple Psychology Podcast. We're on episode 103 and it's Nisha Raddy here. I'm going to talk about vulnerability. Your greatest strength is in your vulnerability. So one of the things I like about recording the podcast on my own is that I can download my brain anytime now. Um, I debated when I started back on the new series whether I would do growth or vulnerability. Both seemed fitting at the time. I guess the optimist in me throws growth. There's a variety of ideas that have come together for my thinking in this. Um, I'm a massive fan of Thinking Minds, um, their Facebook page and their Instagram page. I quite often feel like actually they're channeling my spirit. Um, and a couple of weeks ago they had a quote which was, vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, accountability and authenticity. And I've always said that there's a sort of a last stage of acceptance um, in a difficulty, in a learning difficulty or in a disability of some kind. And that's when you can step outside yourself and sort of have a bird's eye view and realise that you don't actually have what you can't do tattooed to your forehead. And you start to see people the way that they see you. And similarly, you start to be able to step outside yourself and see that other people can't see your challenges. And I remember that the first time I ever spoke about this was when I gave a talk on being dyslexic to the Galway Dyslexia Association. It was one of the first public talks I gave um, on dyslexia and this whole area. And I tried to explain to a room full of people, I was at university level at that stage, and they were much younger, there was a lot of eight and ten-year-olds in the room, and I tried to explain to them that my biggest regret was that I had tried to hide my difficulties for so long. By doing that, I wasn't accepting help from people, and people are not you know, into interpretive dance and mind reading, and they don't necessarily know how you need them to help you. And it's up to you to have the, the courage, but also the ownership to say, well, I can't do this, can you help me with it? And most people will turn around and, and help you. You've met the odd person over the years who hasn't, but, you know, out the special cases. So for me, it's always been my focus has been on finding a way to do things, not how to hide it. And I always say that it doesn't matter what you can't do, only what you can. Um, so this this is quite interesting. And I, I didn't realise till recently that that was unusual in, in some ways. And that I, there's a huge strength in the fact that I can do that. And because I never care um, what I can't do, I don't care what other people can't do. Um, and I, I never realised that that mindset was unusual in a way. <laughs> One of the worries I've had in recording the podcast is that I'm not sure how to pronounce people's names like books, authors, quotes, and so on. And I actually discovered this morning that there's a page to pronounce... Um, kiwi.com where you, they give up you little sound bites of what the names sound like so one another quote that I came across was from Brenon Brown we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known and I think that really really sums it up unless you are ready to show the world what you can't do and what you have insecurities in you are always going to struggle um, with what you're doing and interestingly all of my team I would say I tell people have a healthy amount of insecurities because they can accept 
their own challenges and because they're constantly questioning their ability and they're questioning the job they're doing and they're questioning whether someone else has understood what they've done or whether they've presented that well enough or whether they can do that problem and work it out. And I remember a long time ago working with um, a maths teacher on the team who was really worried because she didn't manage to work out the problem correctly um, on the board and I was like, well, that's great. You know, you, everybody else in the room got to see where you went wrong. Um, and for me... Bad teachers are people who can't show vulnerabilities and insecurities to a class. A huge amount of the difficulties that are derived in a classroom are from the fact that the people standing at the top of the room can't show their weaknesses, they can't show when they make mistakes, and they make it a big deal. So I'll leave you to mull that one over. The other um, book that I read recently, which wouldn't seem like it would bring this topic up, is, uh, is Divergent. And so for people who don't know the, the story of Divergent, basically there's four fractions. Um, the community's divided up into them. They all have their strengths and weaknesses, and each fraction honours different talents within people. And at a certain age, you get to choose whether or not you're going to stay with the fraction that you were born into, or whether you're going to go and change fractions and leave your faction and your family and so on behind you. The initiation ceremony and the, the training process to be taken into your new fraction sort of tends to push all your buttons, a little bit like state exams, actually. So it puts you into this sense of panic, um, your worst nightmare, completely overstressed, totally outside your comfort zone, completely unbalanced. And it's quite interesting looking at the characters. They discovered that they can do things so sometimes when you're outside your comfort zone and you've been sort of pushed to the edge that you and you're in your most vulnerable state you actually let go of what you think people expect of you and you do things in your truest form and I think that this is the other way that I started to think about this that there is a strength in vulnerability that if you can take yourself to that point where you're really not sure and taking the brave move and jumping off the cliff um, in the case of divergence is usually jumping out of moving trains. If you can do that, you suddenly find where your strengths are and you find where your values are. And one of the characters, you know, realises that she can be selfish while she's being brave for other people, um, whereas she never thought that she could be selfish in her old fraction. So I think um, there's a lot of different reasons why I've been thinking about this. The, the third reason I've been thinking about it is to more personal, is to do with my own work. I've found over the last number of years that I have gone through mentors and confidants. To a certain degree, I accept that because, um, as in the last episode I recorded growth, I do expect that I grow and change. And I think you do outgrow mentors. And what I always say to people is you try to find a mentor that's beyond where you're at in whatever sense, and they've gone through what you're going through um, and got to the other side of it. So I've never really been surprised when I've felt that I have outgrown mentors along the way. But there's also a sense for me that I've realised that it's okay for people to know my work on a certain level, but once I go beyond the superficial and, and go into some of the nuts and bolts, that it manages to make people feel quite uncomfortable. And I've, I've obviously worried about this because I eventually want to take my work out in a very public way. And so it's really made me question what it is in, in my work or whether it was in me or, you know, in the beginning, I suppose, when the first parts that I wrote and sent to people and, you know, you get complete stone silence, you're kind of like, um, um, am I just mad? Are they just too polite to tell you? And for me, what I've realised is, is that 
after a certain level and going into a certain depth of my work that it shows vulnerabilities in other people and it shows them their own challenges and their own insecurities and that they haven't been comfortable enough to admit that and to they react to the work and to me rather than to their own vulnerabilities. So basically I need to find people who are very comfortable in their own insecurities and their own vulnerabilities and um, moving forward in order to to share my work if I wish to do it that way or I just need to accept that that's the case that it does tend to, to set that off in people and there's a strength in knowing that and um, I suppose you can become bulletproof to a certain degree um, by understanding the concept of vulnerability and what it offers you um, so yeah so it, it's been a very interesting journey and an interesting topic for me um, and I do think it's worth people thinking about the things that they find hard to show other people and why you find those hard and what's been said to you over the years and what's set that off and, and what makes you keep that part of yourself submerged. Um, why do certain situations really push you over the edge and what is it you feel that you can't still do or that you can't show or that you can't ask for help? People find it incredibly difficult to show other people what they can't do. And I quite often tell people on the team that it's a privilege to see what the students can't do, um, particularly around literacy, because you end up feeling there's so much wrapped up in it. There's so much of your sense of, of how much you failed your family or failed the system or you're, you're failing or you're not doing the one thing that everybody else feels you should be able to do and so on. And in fact, I woke up early this morning and wrote a quote on reading, you know, at times I really question why reading matters so much and, and reading in our minds is equated to social status, to quite often even your concept of someone's financial status, their level of education um, and, and their standing in society. And in fact, I've read a lot of articles recently that one of the the things about people who read a huge amount is that it's one of the best ways to develop empathy and to develop um, the ability to be able to walk in other people's shoes and to put yourself in other situations and to see the world from other people's point of view. It gives us the ability to, to see characters and to read characters and to, to see their development and to see how they struggle with certain ideas. And so reading is so much more important. It's not about making yourself look clever or educated or superior. It's about creating um, humanity in people. And that, if that, I think, was the focus of reading in school and the sense of knowledge and the sense of understanding and the sense of information, reading becomes a different mindset for people. And I think it wasn't until I had long left school before I developed a real love of reading and a real love of what, what it could give me and what I could get out of it. I had to leave the hang-ups of school behind and my own vulnerabilities and my own experiences of what reading and not being able to read had meant for me.